0: Today, hold on to your hats, it's Champions League match day four. In Turin, Man United party like it's 1999, Mourinho enjoying his Wednesday, meeting the old lady, getting to Marouin and then having a lively reception. Meanwhile in Belgrade, Pavkov the net as Red Star give Liverpool a black eye. We round up an extraordinary week and then look forward to all the big things coming up this weekend from aberdeen Hibs to the Super Classico by way of Milan-Juve and the Manchester Derby. It's the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Bauer.
1: Uh, Juventus, I respect, but uh, in the... A beautiful Italian, they insulted me for 90 minutes.
0: When you went out and
2: celebrated, Juventus players obviously were very upset. Do you
1: understand Italian? Uh, no. Oh, so, ask the FA they will translate for you.
0: <laughs> yep, Mourinho's got his mojo working again. And here we are on another exciting Totally Football show. James Horncastle's back. That is I. So is Big Tom Williams. Hello, James. Hello to you, Tom. And we're also joined by FSF Award-nominated Pundit of the Year, Pat Nevin. What? Yes, you are, Pat. <laughs> Excuse me? Like you haven't voted 12 times this morning. <laughs> what,
1: what, what, what a week. What is a week.
0: that? Yeah, it's, a, it's the Football Supporters Federation. Oh, right. Oh. Yeah, they have awards for all sorts of worthy categories. <gasps> Tom,
3: can you suggest another category that's. I don't know. Off the top of my head, Podcast of the Year, perhaps. There is
0: a Podcast of the Year. Oh. There is a Podcast of the Year category. Exciting one. Now, what a week it's been. You can vote for it if you want, listener. Um, go to the FSF's page. Oh, before I say anything else, actually. Um, Listeners, I think in North America, obviously we have different adverts included in the show by local kind of podcast platforms around the world. Listeners in North America have been having some Fox News and various other dog-whistly-style things coming in. Now, that is completely uh, not supposed to happen, both because of our blocks and the blocks of our providers in North America. Apparently, uh, third parties have been uh, classifying these political adverts as car adverts, and that's how they've been slipping in. We're told it's not going to happen again, but our sincerest apologies to anyone who had to sit through that. Anyway, as I was saying, what a week. Probably the best week the Man United fans have had in a very long time. They win, oh, Liverpool James, lose. It's
4: their best night in Europe ever. <laughs> Well, what else have they
0: done in you? <laughs> anyway, let's start with that. Uh, one night in Turin, or Turin breaks, as you would probably call it. Pandor for that. That's good show. We all saw the game, I presume. Of course. Me less than anyone, I, I suspect. It, it seemed to me an unexpected result, but weirdly, the, the game was almost entirely as expected until the last five minutes or so.
4: Yeah, I think uh, Juventus felt they should have been out of sight, um, you know, before they got the goal, and what a goal it was from mm. Cristiano Ronaldo. They'd hit the post through Kadira, They'd hit the bar from Dybala. And straight after they went
0: 1-0 up, they had a glut of chances. Well, before that, they had a gut of chances. (laughs) Lovely line, actually, from um, Jonathan Liu in his report. He says, uh, first the guts, then the glory. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. (laughs) Anyway, sorry, that goal celebration aside, as you say.
4: And then I think Juventus, as we've seen in recent weeks in Italy, I wouldn't say they necessarily got totally complacent. Um, But they looked to control the game rather than kill it, I think, in the final 10 minutes. And Mourinho made his changes. He brought on Mata. um, He brought on Fellaini. And boy, did they make a difference. We saw Mata score a free kick just like he did when he got them back in the game against Newcastle a few weeks ago. And Fellaini, while he, he didn't score, he
0: wreaked havoc. Uh, Big in part the, in both in goals, in the, Exactly. The uh. second goal, there's, there's three Juve defenders exclusively marking Fellaini, which, which kind of leads to all that confusion and the ball being bundled in by mm. Juve's own uh, Alexandro. So five minutes left in the game. Man United were facing a real problem because Valencia won earlier that day. They were sitting in third place and their European campaign was, was about to take a really bad turn.
3: I don't think it would have been an absolute calamity if they'd lost. Um, but I think to get a win in, in such unlikely circumstances, I mean, I've seen some suggestions that, as, as James has alluded to, quoting Martin Keown earlier, that this was one of the great European nights for United. I mean, it was a great result for United, but it was, it was not a great performance. It was an improved performance. right? I think victory flattered them. Um, but I mean, that they, they kept in the game. They worked hard. I mean, I think they looked a lot more, they looked more like a, a Champions League team than certainly in the first game against Juventus when they barely laid a glove on them.
0: If it wasn't a great team performance, was it a great managerial performance then? As James mentions, the substitutions bearing fruit, and then, of course, the, the post-match scenes Classic Mourinho, Pat.
1: Yeah, brilliant. You know, first of all, in your intro, you talked about uh, partying like it was 1999. I, I take it you mean by the late goals. I'm thinking more well, by the they, style. They won
0: in Turin. They came yeah. from behind in Turin that, that year as well. The
1: madness of, wait a minute, the style of the goals. Can I say get it in the mixer? Is it any more complex than that? Now, I have no problem with it, but looking at the style of it and looking at the system well and compare, comparing it with the other teams around just now that, who we many of us love watching, it was lump it in the mix. Now, but it's so effective. Here's a question I've, from
0: Keshav Rampol, who says, how was Max Allegri... I could be the best reader of the game, not able to
1: handle Fellaini and Mourinho long balls? Because you can with that sort of level. you can if, As long as you get the, power, the, the perfect ball in those sort of areas, if you look at what they've got and their capabilities, if they use it right, you've got Pogba's height there, Lukaku when he's on, he wasn't on this one. Fellaini's incredible in those sort of situations. Throwing a couple of centre-backs as well. And a brilliantly sort of played ball in, you know, you can be the best team in the world, but it's almost impossible to defend her. And by the way, you can be the best defence in the world which UV generally are, mm. and it's still going to be incredibly difficult to stop. So, yes, I'm applauding it, um, but is it what I want to spend my life watching in a football game? Not necessarily, no. <laughs> but it was It was
0: brilliant to see, that. What a dramatic finale. Mourinho couldn't have had more vindication if he had a vineyard in a place called Cation.
2: <laughs> oh. <laughs>
4: no, and I just thought it will go down as one of the kind of iconic Mourinho moments that, I mean... If the gesture after the game at Old Trafford, where he puts the three fingers up, signifying to his treble, which he said was the darkest hour in Juventus's history because because of the rivalry between those two teams, that was only kind of only lasted a few seconds really um, when he did the three fingers. Whereas this, it's kind of up there with when he ran on the pitch at the Camp Nou uh, and under the sprinklers, pointing in pointing in the air. But uh,
3: but but also a sign of how far he's fallen in that the last time he paraded around gloating on the pitch after a big Champions League win, it was after a, a semi-final second leg when his team had produced a tactical masterclass mm. to beat one of the best teams in history. This time, it was after a decidedly spawny group stage win against the team who remained top of their Champions League group. So it, it wasn't a triumph, but I mean, clearly Mourinho doesn't need much invitation to.
0: One thing though, I mean, a lot of people scoffed a bit when. He said after the defeat at Old Trafford, and I think another bad result at the time, that, well, we didn't have Marrow and Fellaini. And, yeah. But uh, Duncan Alexander, the, the numbers before and after Fellaini comes into this game, so before he made his entrance, 20 shots for Juve, 5 for Man United after Fellaini comes on, 3 for Juve and 5 for Man United. Uh, Fellaini had two successful passes, won three aerial balls and basically well, turned the game. And that, that's the thing. United, all they needed was a set piece.
4: Or two in this case, and that was that was, be, that was be, coming from launching it up to Fellaini, him getting flick-ons, and then them giving away free kicks around the penalty area. And that was the thing that Allegri was furious about after the game. It's like we just need to be cuter when it comes to what we're doing around our penalty. We shouldn't have been giving needless it's needless free kicks hard away. To do though, it's yeah.
1: really hard to do because he is fantastic. After over the years, and it's, it's not looking back in any type change of attitudes. I have never said a word negative about Fellaini ever. You can never think negatively of him. Yes, he can be crude. Yes, he can be cumbersome. But what he actually adds to a team, what he gives to a team, is exceptional. And there was talk last season about Fellini maybe leaving Manchester United at the end end of this season. I thought be the last person I'd be getting out of that club because his effectiveness is astonishing for the style of play that Jose Mourinho's got.
0: All right, direct opposite of Romelu Lukaku possibly then. Paul Scholes is my hero, right? And with Man United now looking so much more fluid without the bulky and slow Lukaku, what happens to Romelu now?
3: Yeah I mean his his form has obviously tailed off of late and they they didn't miss him at all against Juventus and I think actually for that sort of performance when they're playing on the counter attack they are better suited with someone like Alexis Sanchez through through the center who has got a little bit more pace perhaps doesn't quite present as much uh, of a goal threat as Lukaku does at his best, but we've not seen Lukaku at his best for a little while, so he isn't really any great loss. Um, and yeah, as you say, I mean Lukaku a doubt for the derby, so you'd expect that Mourinho will will pick a similar team to the one that he did at Juventus. Um, and if United can pursue this current run of form without Lukaku, it, it might you know we might get to a point where. It's difficult for him to get back into the team. I, I still think United lack a cutting edge when mm. he's not in the team because, as well as Anthony Martial's been playing recently, and as, and as good as that has been to see, um, you know, Alexis Sanchez's goal scoring form has been non-existent since he joined United. Marcus Rashford sadly can't be relied upon for goals. They don't score many goals from midfield, so I, I don't think in the long term they they can do without Lukaku. But it, you know, it, it, it is looking a bit tricky for him. Me, right. well, be the best player again in Turin was David De Gea. They
4: kept them in the game um, with, what, three decent saves. I wouldn't say any any sort of eye-catching world-class save, but there was that one where Quadrado put the ball across the box and he flexed wickedly off Matic. He made a big save. And again, it's a stunning comeback. Again, you have to salute the kind of resilience of this United team to keep doing this. Um, but ultimately, it's not from a free-flowing great performance. It's from moments, free well. kicks and the goalkeeper.
0: Well, as they head into the derby this weekend, in which they'll be facing a, a team that's unbeaten, rarely concedes, very similar, of course, to, to Wednesday night. How much, even if the performance wasn't the good, just winning a game like this... In a a club where there's been talk of there being splits or dissatisfaction, etc. Pat, what would that mean for the morale as they go into the the, the visit to City?
1: (laughs) Obviously, it's going to lift them a little bit, but I compare it... Well, it will a little bit only because it's Manchester City and it's different. Um, Early in the season, Manchester United went down to Stamford Bridge and I'm thinking, right? OK, you go and try and play football against Chelsea the way they're playing just now, and you will lose, and you lose quite badly. You'll have to go and play to your strengths, which we've talked about already. Um, Manchester City, just multiply that by three, maybe four. If you go and try and play football against Manchester City, they batter you, even if you're Manchester United just now. So in a way, um, yes, that'll give them a lift. I think the biggest lift, actually, Lukaku not being in the team is probably a decent thing for them. Because, you know, they, if they were so sluggish, there was not enough movement up front, at least they get a bit of movement. Personally, I'd put Martial through the centre. Um, I think you'd be the, by far the better player through the centre of all, all the three attackers they've got left. But that will give them a left. But are they good enough to... Not even good enough, that's the wrong way. Are they energised enough to play at a level that you have to play at to stop Manchester City just now? Um, that is a massive question mark. And mm. I don't... I mean, they went to win at Juventus, but as we've all said... Were they that good? Not really. I
3: I think they were better than they have been. I think. I mean, they've they've come from behind to win in three of the last six games. Um, But if you look at the first two of those results, you know, one of them was against Newcastle, one of them was against Bournemouth. You know, the first halves against Newcastle and Bournemouth were absolutely diabolical. I mean, they were dreadful. Whereas. United turned up from the start against Juventus and I thought they looked they had a much better idea of what they were doing I mean they were, they were pressing when do mm. you see Man United like press mm. oppo- opposing teams and Depressing usually usually deeply depressing oh, look, look, particularly Haku if you're a United playing. fan I mean that could, that could be a factor but I mean I think, I think what you saw was a team buying into um, what the manager had asked them to do I mean I'm not sure that it's necessarily a motivational issue but it's clearly different going out to play a Juventus or a Man City when you've got a very clear game plan than going out to play Newcastle or Bournemouth and as we know Marie Mourinho doesn't really coach his attacking players and they're kind of left to their own devices. And, And I suspect that this team, you know, people often point the finger at the lack of leaders in this team. And it's been a feature of Mourinho's tenure that they've often raised their game when they're playing against quality opposition. I mean, they they went and won at the Etihad last season in slightly peculiar circumstances, but they did they beat almost all their big rivals last spring. So they they have that in them. Um, and I think that first half against against Juve in particular showed that you know when they all know what's expected of them, they they can raise their game.
0: Absolutely. All right. Well, it leaves them in the group two points behind Juventus in second place, two points clear of Valencia, who of course they must visit on the final day of the Champions League group stage. In a second, we'll be back talking about Manchester City and what they got up to midweek and all the rest of that Champions League biz, including you,
5: Liverpool, after this. You're listening to The Totally Verbal Show with James Richardson. Manchester City,
0: Wednesday night, making it 12 goals in two matches, a 6-0 win over Shakhtar Donetsk. The sterling penalty's going to... It's going to kind of grab the attention here a little bit. I mean, it was it was a weird one.
3: It was a weird one. Um, I'm not sure it was so weird that he deserves being on the back page of half the newspapers today. What, what the paper said about him. Well, they've said unpleasant. I mean, I, I think the suggestion is that it was, you know, it was in some way dishonest what he did. <laughs> um,
1: did, wait, who, did someone actually write, he meant that?
3: No, I don't think anyone's suggesting he meant it. I think I think the suggestion is that he he perhaps might have been a bit more fair play and and own up to the fact that he had just kicked the ground and, and tripped himself up. And in an ideal world, perhaps he would have done and it. it would have been a nice thing to see. But at the same time, I don't think you can really blame him for having not done that. He's a professional footballer. It's his job to win football matches. And if the referee makes a mistake and awards a penalty, it's in his interest you've, to go along with it. You've
1: been listening too many footballers. <laughs> you really have. No, I mean, I know. I, 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 don't, it, I don't accept that. that's, it. that's right. This should be a right It's
3: it's not right, but I mean, like, how many, I mean, in an ideal world, he would have owned up to it. It would have been nice to see. How many footballers in that situation would have done that, though, if we're being honest? Pat. Thank you.
1: One hand up. Current footballers. Well, the thing is, it shouldn't be current. Forget about anything, right? Number, right? A couple of things here, and I'm going to shock you here. I'm going to say something negative about the sainted David Silver, Hmm. right? Because he goes and grabs the ball off Sterling, doesn't he? And I'm thinking fine, he's going to go put it in spot and kick it over to the side of the pitch or something. He's not going to score, or he's going to roll it back to the goalkeeper. And then he's not taking it. I think, well, they're still going to miss it because it's so stupid and ridiculous, but they don't do it. And Pep's giving it the old finger wagging, going, that wasn't a penalty. Good, get a message on there and tell me to kick it by the post then. It's that ridiculous. I would really have hoped... Somebody within that group there would have done that. Right. Well, Pep
0: afterwards saying, yeah, it wasn't a penalty, but then what about last year when Liverpool? Liverpool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. It's a shame, isn't it? Because they didn't need the goal, to be fair. They had five other but decent d- ones.
1: D- I have to tell you. That's not a good argument. Mm. It shouldn't be that. It should be that a level of morality should exist in the game. Now, I know there is no to some people morality within the game. Yeah, I don't know Um, if you've been
0: reading the papers at all, uh, Pat.
1: But levels of morality within the game, you know, very, very limited. And there is in business as well. But if in the midst of it, in particular newspapers, if you don't actually go and ask that question or if you make an excuse saying, well, they are professionals. No, no, just stick it out there and say, you know what? If you're a golfer, you can do the right thing. If you're a snooker player, you can do the right thing. If you're a tennis player, you can do the right thing. Why is football different? Why is football different?
0: Well, getting lost amidst all the noise, Gabriel Jesus getting his first hat-trick. Now, first hat-trick ever, is that, Tom?
3: Um, First City hat-trick, definitely.
0: I'm not sure if it was his first hat-trick ever. Anyway, a big win for Man City heading into the derby, and they're looking very comfortable in that group. At Leon in second place after being pegged back from two goals up by Hoffenheim the other game in this group just to quickly mention because Hoffenheim became the first team ever in the Champions League to come back from two goals down with only ten men well done Hoffenheim
3: and that after having done the same thing in the re- reverse fixture that's true two successive 90 second minute equalisers for Hoffenheim against yeah Yeah. Yep. No, no
1: hassle out. for the Hoff they <laughs> were <laughs> Brilliant against Manchester City over there. I was at that game, and they were so unlucky not to get something.
3: It's a good group, that yeah. Yeah. I mean, Leon will be absolutely kicking themselves because they just can't defend a lead. But um, Mm. anyway, the
1: derby, the derby is huge
0: for both sides. City have Liverpool and Chelsea breathing down their necks. Two points behind. United nine points behind City in seventh place. Urgently need the points to uh, try and claw their way back towards the Champions League places. Now. Pat, you mentioned the fact that last time, even though City looked uh, out of sight by half time, somehow Man United ended up winning this.
1: Every single game you ever play, there's a capability of a team winning it. Um, when I talk about Jose Mourinho or styles or things, don't get me wrong, I admire him. I hugely admire Jose Mourinho because he finds a way. How he managed to do it with Real Madrid, with Barca, we know. So I admire of it. it not be the most beautiful. It might not be the most beautiful style to watch. But he's quite capable of doing it in this game. The one biggest thing they've got in their favour, and it is one thing. Is it Maroon Fellaini? <laughs> it's worse than that. Uh. It's Kevin De Bruyne. It. Ah. Um. I was at the game last Thursday where he came on and played. Well, he played for eighty odd minutes uh, against Fulham, and I would give that about a nine and three quarters out of ten. It was one of the best displays I've seen really? in years from a professional footballer of any level and then he gets injured with two minutes to go and he's out for another few weeks. Yeah. Now, they've got plenty of not-bad players available. Mm. If he'd have stuck De Bruyne in that sort of form in this game, I honestly, just get the white flags out. I don't think that's the case. Now, there is a possibility, but I wouldn't bet against City yet. I mean, I still think they're a fabulous form, and I'll stick by my initial comments early in the season when people said it would be close this season. Man City were miles ahead last season and they're two players at least better off this season. I can't see anyone getting near them. Only two points in it for now, and
0: maybe that gap will disappear this weekend. Tom, what do you think?
3: Yeah, I mean, as Pat says, you wouldn't vote against City in their current form, and they've won 10 of their last 11 games, back-to-back six-goal wins. Um it's clearly f- the De Bruyne as a miss but I mean I think they're playing every bit as well as they were at this stage last season when they first started to really blow us away and and people don't make as much noise about it because we're now used to to the sort of football that City play Um, you know I mean they they are the favourites but again United have, have potentially turned a corner I mean it's Particularly with Mourinho, you know, in his third season, you feel like you're never that far away from the whole house of cards collapsing, and it might only take one bad result for for, for us to find ourselves back where we were a few weeks ago when we, when people were talking about how long he was going to be sticking around for. I mean, you know, that there are signs of improvement, and I think the way they played against Juve, um, as as I said earlier, will will give them a lot of belief. I mean, they've not lost at the Etihad for something like four years. United, they've actually got quite a good record there. They've won on the last two visits, I think, or at least two of the last three. Um... And it's not beyond the realms of possibility that they avoid defeat. Uh, But yeah, if you're putting money on it, you'd you'd obviously back City. I think what the staggering
4: thing is about Mourinho is that the narrative seems set. You know, the the third season syndrome, him inevitably going to get the sack, it all going up in flames. That seemed, it was written, you know? And now he seems to completely... Bent away from that
0: Yeah I don't think We've ever seen him Come back from the From the decline Yeah I mean I'm not is saying that, it, that There still mean, aren't problems there Could I possibly
1: there? make An argument against that I think we get lost In that little nerve Because Kane fits A wee bit I'm not actually 100% sure about it And okay. maybe the big thing About Mourinho is On top of all that Yes and maybe A little bit of a dip But if you give him Enough time He would come out Of that game But he tends to move on Before you give him Another year mm. And maybe you, you say Is that the manager's fault Or is that the club's For not sticking by the guy
0: Well yeah Here's a question. Are there any United players who'd get into the City team? <laughs> De Gea. You'd have De Gea over Edison.
3: In terms of his goalkeeping, mm-hmm. but given that this composite team will almost exclusively feature City players and probably play City football, you'd probably end up keeping Edison anyway because he's a better fit for that team. Yeah, I'd, I'd So have that's it,
4: De Gea. De
0: Gea. Any, anybody else?
4: I put Pogba in there now before De Bruyne Pogba yeah who'd you before take De Bruyne? Well, no 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 not, De, not before De Bruyne or Silva but you know maybe who <laughs> I was going to say maybe a fading Fernandinho, but at the end of the day Fernandinho was one of the best players in this game at the Etihad uh, when they last played even though what they ended up losing that game 3-2 and it's so important to that team but you know
1: I, I, by the way
0: that's I'd be m-
4: fascinated to see what what
0: Guardiola could do with Pogba oh, yeah you know. still I think what Wednesday maybe showed is that you it doesn't matter whether any United players get into the City team or not.
4: Fellaini would, maybe, you know? Yeah, For the last well. 15
0: minutes, But
1: <laughs> yeah. To be fair, that doesn't win you a game of football. Having, although you can have mm. 10 better players than the other team, mm. but if your 10 aren't working and aren't organised... So very
0: not. true. So very true. Hey, maybe that's a lesson Liverpool need to learn after what happened to them on Tuesday over in Belgrade. A shot 2-0 defeat by Red Star. Now, Pat, you were actually there in the Maracanã. Tell us, first of all... There's a lot of talk about atmosphere in football grounds. Have you been in something like this before?
1: Um, well, to be, you really don't want to get carried away because hyperbole is such a big thing in football. And every time you go to a game, and I can remember being so excited after a Genoa game that I went to. I've got Celtic Rangers games, some European nights with Celtic. I recently, good Julian's not here. I can say it. Paris Saint Germain in a European night is fabulous, is it? and it is absolutely fabulous. But I've, I'll be honest with you, this is as good as any. And You know that the, the Belgrade was astonishing. We were told before the game, um, the press guy came up to us and said, uh, you are going to get a surprise tonight. Uh, it will be better atmosphere than you think. I said, well, it will win the best ever. Yeah, very good. Uh, we have got another surprise for you. And then we are saying, Look, uh, very good. We've heard all this before. The game hadn't started, and you're like, wow. Yeah. It, was, it was an assault. And they sang in English for your benefit.
0: Are you?
1: Well, Are you? you know, the whole thing, the whole spectacle. But what you tend to get, and even the biggest artists, and we've all been to them, after 5, 10, 15 minutes, you know, it calms down a bit and you got on with the game. Didn't happen here. How much. Sixty-five how much, minutes still doing it. <laughs> how much impact did that have on the result? It's a, it's a great question James to be fair I think it had a massive impact I don't think there is a player that in that Red Star team that Liverpool would buy not one but they still managed to lose 2-0 to them so Liverpool didn't have a good day but the spirit and that was engendered within that team from that that feeling that noise that power alongside them it, it, they rode on it like a, they surfed it for 45-50 minutes and then they just fell apart because they had nothing left Right, and they just it was a Classic backs to the wall, throwing everything up, defending, you know, last ditch efforts, and and they managed it, but they had nothing left. But they got they got overexcited by the noise, those Red Star players, but because they got that two goal lead, they managed to survive it.
0: Milan Pavkov with the two goals in the space of seven minutes, not one of the bigger names in European football. Red Star had bought him from some really tiny Serbian side, and because they fielded, they only used him for seven minutes in the course of the season. But because of that, had to pay an extra fifty thousand euros to the the club they got him from, and it was called the the most expensive fifty uh, the most expensive seven minutes in football history by some by papers. But, but then eventually they brought him back after he did well and out on loan, and, and, and he does this and Rory Smith writing without wanting to rub salt in and liver puddling wounds wounds that is a brilliant result not just for a red star but everyone outside the big five leagues the Champions League need these teams and it needs them to be good. I mean, that was it. Was a great result for the Champions League?
4: Yeah, I mean, a red star in the Super League. I don't know, they, <laughs> an invited guest in that. But yeah, no, it was it's fantastic. I think, um, you know, as I think I said on the Goals Show, their their best night since they actually won the competition by beating Marseille
3: in Barcelona. No, it's the
0: years best ago. result in Europe ever.
3: Yeah. <laughs> Tom, you speak football. What do they say about it in Serbia? Um, so I have the front page here, one of the Serbian papers. I can't read what it says in Cyrillic, but it does say in French at the bottom, que aussi? Uh, meaning, oh, was that fixed as well? Uh, because clearly after um, uh, Red Star got a spanking at Part right. de against PSG, this story emerged that one of their directors had bet on a five-goal defeat and lo, it came to pass, um, and clearly that hasn't gone down very well in Belgrade. Um, so a little response there uh, in the papers. Oh, all right.
0: Saucy stuff there from from Red Star. As for Liverpool, great quote from Jurgen Klopp, asked if he can put his finger on what went wrong. Ha! I only have ten fingers. <laughs> C- can we help? Can we pinpoint how well, it all came on
4: unstuck? I thought what he said after the game was really interesting because he said that, OK, the atmosphere lifted Red Star, but it didn't get to Liverpool. He said what got to Liverpool was the psychology at half-time of walking down that long tunnel and seeing all the Red Star players and all the Red Star directors, coaching staff, in such a positive frame of mind, kind of celebrating. And Liverpool, on the other hand, were in a kind of really negative kind of spot at that point, from, yeah, from particularly how they conceded the second goal, which came out of the blue, hmm. and, a, and a mistake.
0: Yeah, I've just got to say, last time Liverpool were behind in Europe and saw their opponents celebrating, it sparked an entirely different reaction, of
4: course. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Mm. But again, this is their, what, second defeat in a row on the road um, mm. in the Champions League. Well, it's the that.
0: third defeat in a row away from home in, in, in the Champions League, actually, because... Uh, Roma.
4: Yeah. Yeah, and the Champions League final, I suppose, was away from Liverpool mm. as well. But, yeah, in this season, yeah, that has certainly complicated matters for them after they beat the team that they expected would be the one... Challenging them for top spot, uh, PSG
1: at Anfield. Yeah, absolutely. They didn't have to do much against PSG at Anfield. No. They were <laughs> hopeless on the day. Some
0: they? some suggestions that Klopp, by rotating the squad, was trying to basically uh, spin too many plates at once. Is, do you think that's fair, or they've they've got the squad to. Cope with that kind of thing? Do you remember mm. the the suggestion uh, uh, from yeah, Gary Neville yeah, that um, they should focus on either the league or the Champions League?
1: Yeah, I understand that completely. Because he added a few more, such as Shakiri, etc. You thought, mm. well, maybe there'll be Keita was added uh, Fabinho as well. So you think, yeah, there should be depth there. And then it took it only takes a, an injury or two, and you think, actually, no, they're they're not I mean, exactly bare bones again, but they're struggling. That about. was
4: the other thread from this game was that Shakiri obviously wasn't wasn't there yeah, because, of, because of because mm. of the kind of atmosphere. Um, and what they were expecting, you know, from when he was playing for Switzerland, was it against Serbia? And he made the Kosovo kind of, uh, and he had his boots. the eagle gesture thing on
1: his boots as well yeah. during that game. But, but-
4: Shakiri has been, you know, in what's been a kind of indifferent patch of form from Liverpool. He's been
1: one of their kind of. <laughs>
4: best players in this in this recent period so to be without him I think was
1: you a bit James of a bump. You're absolutely spot on at the game you're looking at it, you're thinking you've got to make a change at halftime They bring on Firmino uh, actually again Klopp I think made a, quite a poor decision tactically, um, start the second half Mane was looking really good in the first half down the left hand side, come on the second half he switched him over to right, hardly got a kick after that, mm. didn't get into really particularly dangerous positions and the left hand side was left for Firmino who basically just Faded about and didn't really do anything. Whereas Shaqiri stuck on there, may have made quite a difference. Okay, you what know, about Sturridge? This has been, well, this has
3: been a, an issue for Liverpool because we, we look at the rotation and, and the players who came into the team in Belgrade, but their first choice 11 haven't really been doing the business this season I mean yes I mean in the league at least they're two points off the top they're unbeaten things have been going well but how many times have Liverpool got people out of their seats this season I mean you know that they're doing well in the league and they're right up there in contention but I think we're still waiting for Liverpool to turn up you know they're not sort of swamping teams the same way they did last season I think I've seen suggestions that perhaps Klopp is trying to make them a slightly less manic team a team who can play you know a little bit uh, you know, sorry, I say troll. that again. Yeah. A, a, a team who can, you know, don't need to be a hundred miles an hour to mm. win football less matches. Less heavy metal, less heavy metal. You know, perhaps more sort of classic rock. Nice. Um, and uh, you know, they're getting the results, but they they do seem to have lost something. Well,
0: yeah, the last nine games, the only teams they've beaten were a depleted Red Star at home and Huddersfield and Cardiff. Mm. So you know, uh, is, is the worrying talking... news, for just to say, the worrying news is that this weekend they're facing another Serbian striker, of course,
4: Mitro. Metro, yeah, that big one. big
0: clash with Fulham Leaves the group really, I mean, ridiculously well poised uh, Napoli and Liverpool are level on top With PSG one point behind And Red Star only a point behind them And only two can go through to the knockout stages Oof Introducing Paddy Power's Beat the Drop We're giving every customer 30 days free entry and a grand up front It's up to you to keep it all you have to do is answer 10 questions correctly.
5: Play now at beatthedrop.paddypower.com On Spotify, Smart Speaker, and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media. Well, Fulham at the weekend,
0: at home, which couldn't really think of any easier or a more accommodating fixture. Uh, a Fulham side that's conceded record amounts of goals in the, uh, what, 11 matches so far. We'll talk about more about what awaits in the league later on but let's just round up the rest of the midweek Champions League news or at least the headlines now in that group Napoli and PSG making it so very level with that 1-1 draw down in Naples Tom you you got quite excited about PSG so what were your thoughts on this?
3: Well, they were dreadful in in the reverse fixture. at part they Prince. they needed that fantastic goal from Angel Di Maria in stoppage time to get them a point. Uh, and the feeling was that they, you know that they'd got themselves out of a bit of a hole with that. They were much more convincing um, against uh, against Napoli. Um, Neymar was very impressive, and Mbappe played quite well first half at least. Set up the opening goal. Um, they went ahead um, on the stroke of half time, and then Napoli absolutely flew at them. The first sort of 15 minutes of the second half, it was fantastic to see. San Paolo is, you know, sort of in flames around them. Buffon, who hardly had a thing to do in the first half, makes about four really important saves in the space of five minutes. Um, And then they end up equalising through uh, Insigne penalty. Um, PSG had a penalty appeal of their own turn down later on uh, when Juan Bernat was was caught by uh, Maximović, I think it was. Um, And then they created one last big chance PSG Cut back from the right foot Mbappe and he puts it wide from about 15 yards. And my feeling was that, that they played well PSG, and that, that you know it's the first time in the Champions League this season that they've played someone decent and actually looked good. Brian. But I think having had the opportunity to win the game and, and not taken it, they're now in a really difficult position. If they beat Liverpool in their next game you know that that's them on their way to the last team. But if mm. they lose that game which which you can envisage that might be them out at the group phase and and all the all the sort of um you know the, the kind of soul searching that accompanies each psg exit from the champions league which we've got used to seeing in sort of march april time is going to be taking place in november um which uh, is, is certainly not part of the the project plan
0: absolutely okay psg by the way um as we look around the rest of the match day 4 news, their next opponents, PSG, are Monaco, and they were in action as well, playing Bruges. Uh, Thierry Henry looking for his first win in his fifth game in charge of Monaco.
3: He didn't get it, Tom. He didn't get it. Poor old Monaco. I mean, the funny thing is, they did play that badly to begin with. I mean, the first sort of half an hour or so, they were on the front foot. Um, yeah, They made a handful of chances. Henry had picked a fairly attacking team. But as soon as, as Club Brugge went at them... They just fell apart and, and Brugger were 3-0 up inside 24 minutes. And that was it. The game was gone. I mean, Monaco never threatened to get back into it. Well, and also
0: because he took off. He took off. He took uh, Took off Falcao
3: um, and, and decides that with the game basically gone, he's going to hand professional debuts to a 17-year-old and an 18-year-old. <laughs> so he threw the towel in well before the end of the game. And then, with about about eight minutes left, I think or about five minutes left, Mon- um, Brügger go through and score their fourth goal. They've now then have 15 games without. Uh, a win, Monaco. They are out of the Champions League. They're without 12 players through injury and suspension. They're playing PSG on Sunday. Their owner's been arrested for corruption. And they've nice. got all these fresh financial fair play allegations. And, I mean, it's, it's still very early in Henri's time at Monaco. Well, it, He's only five games it in. It might but be close so the end. You never well, know. You know here's,
0: um, here's a tweet from Football Fights. Gary Neville. No one could ever leave Sky Sports, get sacked as a manager and return to Sky Sports quicker than me. Cherry Henry, hold my beer. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, I, I think what what works in his favour, and there aren't many things working in his favour at the moment, is that so many of these problems were inherited. I mean, Monaco were, were catastrophic under Jean de Jardim. They had a terrible transfer window. They've got this, uh, you know, implausible glut of injuries. And Henri has... Done as well. He's tried to do his best with the resources he had. He's he's you know he's played with a back three. he's played with a Christmas tree. He's you know he sort of moved players around, but he's really down to the bare bones. Uh, and even if everyone was fit, as has happened on a couple of occasions. There's been so much turnover in the Monaco squad over the last, you know, the last few months that you know they don't even look like a decent team when they get all their, their supposed first know. team players out.
0: Might just be the only Christmas tree he sees at Monaco. Also in that group, Atletico Madrid and Dortmund met and Atleti beat Dortmund two 0 First goals they've conceded the Germans in the Champions League this year, but they both look well set in the group five clear of uh, Brugger as you say, Tom. Uh, Porto also all but through after beating locomotive four one locomotive now out of the competition. They become the second club ever to be top seeds in a group stage but go out after only four games. Can you name the other one, James Horncastle? Who was the other? Say that again. Who was the other club that was top seeds in the Champions League draw for the group stage, but who went out after only four games, as locomotive have done this week? Leave that with you. Come back to it. In the history uh, history of the Champions League. In the history of the Champions League. Only one team has been seeded in the group stage draw. Monaco. No. no.
1: I'm guessing Chelsea. No.
0: Uh, Bayern and Ajax both looking good. Uh, Ajax had a draw away at Benfica. Bayern, of course, are going to be playing Dortmund this weekend. That's huge. Uh, Bayern four points behind. British Dortmund going into that match at Dortmund. Uh, The Classica. I think that's Saturday evening. Elsewhere, Roma and Real Madrid both won. They're both now five points clear of CSK Moscow, so looking good for the last 16. Roma beating CSK in Moscow this week. Real Madrid's win was in the Czech Republic. It was their new manager, uh, Santi Solari's, third win in three. They've not conceded any goals in those three matches. They scored five here, but there was also a really nasty and very probably intentional smash on a... Pulled some players' nose. I wonder if you could hazard a guess who who was it? Who was the Real Madrid player who, who took out? Who basically broke the nose of his, of his opponent right at the start of the game, kind of with no
1: build up to it? Was it Sergio
3: Ramos it by any your... chance? <laughs> you
1: know, Why always him? You know, I I, I watched it, and I, you will always have an opinion on it. And I honestly would love to see. I, th- I think he meant to, and I can't tell you.
0: Do you not he, think so? I don't know. I I don't
1: know. know That's the point. I don't know, Um, because you can always say when a player is doing something, even if he tries to make it look as if he isn't. But it was so brilliantly done, and subtly done, that I can't tell you for definite. I have a suspicion he meant it, but I absolutely couldn't say that for sure that he meant that one.
0: Right. I mean, for me, it was a lot more evident than say the 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 smash on Carius that 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 uh, happened in the Champions League final. But he's running basically across. The, uh, the um, Pilsen, Pilsen player, and as he goes by, he just flicks his elbow up into his nose, and there's just blood yeah. everywhere. Uh, anyway, there you go. Victoria Pilsen needed Eric Dyer clearly. They still. did, didn't they? Bitter Pilsen. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in Group B, Inter and Barcelona drew. Barcelona are now through. It was a 1-1 at San Siro, which was great for Inter with Icardi, as usual, coming up with the late goal. Pretty good news as well for Spurs, who are very much back in the mix themselves, Tuesday night, coming from behind to defeat PSV. It was a terrible start. What turned it around?
4: Well, I think uh, Spurs, if you take the uh, the goal they conceded out of it, they dominated this game. They uh, And they, they should have won it, I think, by a greater margin. But ultimately, what turned it around for them was the changes that Mauricio Pochettino made. He threw on uh, Fernando Llorente. And uh, I'd say a bit like Fellaini, having that option um, to go to the big man, top top next to harry kane all of a sudden kane who'd been pretty peripheral up until that point had the uh, the opportunity to find some space a bit of time got them back into the game
1: i was just i was in belgrade so mm. I, I vaguely remember the goals back post header by harry kane was the second one was the second goal. what was the first goal the
4: first was kane? just a, was just a ball up um to uh, to Yorente. brings it down and you see uh, kane just inside the area bend it into the corner
1: right. There is a reason for asking this, as there always is. Mm-hmm. Um, watch the Manchester City going to Spurs at Wembley and watch even Manchester City trying to play their type of football on a bubbly pitch. Mm. They couldn't do it. It was really interesting from someone from a different era who used to play in that sort of pitch. It was very similar to uh, an old-fashioned pitch, which we had for the vast majority of the season. right and they actually couldn't play their football on that pitch. Now, I'm watching Spurs now, who would like to play like that, you know, more on the deck. Their goals now, a lot of the goals now have been played long because mm. they can't actually play that style of football on that pitch. It's really intriguing to see it now because oh, I mean, classic people were oh, the game's so much better now. Yeah, you can pass the ball because <laughs> it's a flat pitch. It's extraordinary, different, difference yeah. in it. Uh, I don't think it was as bad the other night, I believe, as it was uh, before Mark that. Van Bommel sh- said it was sh- <laughs> um, OK, well, there you go. Uh, Just extraordinary. We
0: asked about the impact that uh, the the victory away at Juve will have on Man United. What, what about on Pochettino's uh, morale and, and, and Spurs in general? Because there'd been this general kind of glumness, despite mm. their, 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 their excellent start, numbers-wise, in the Premier League. And also, did he actually say there was this amazing quote that I saw from him regarding rumours of interest from Real Madrid? It is like you're with your wife and you're holding hands walking down the street. But because you are so handsome, another woman is looking at you. But your wife is so proud, and rather than worrying, she is so happy to be with you and fall more in love with you. I've not seen that. I feel, like, a, I feel like am it, I feel like I'd like to believe it. Yeah,
1: yeah, producer Ben
0: threw that one I and he insists. I feel was,
1: like a was, cow he told watching the Guardian
0: train. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I bet he was halfway through the description thinking, I "Wish I wouldn't have went down this line just now." Yeah. Like.
0: yeah. <laughs> anyway, so in uh, in the Champions League group. They are three points still behind Inter in third place, but Inter still have to go to Wembley and try and play on that pitch. Mm. So, yeah, all to play for, all to play for. All right, next up for Spurs is a trip to Crystal Palace. That's uh, Saturday tea time, and that ushers in a whole world of discussion about the Premier League fixtures this weekend, which is coming
5: up after this. Listeners, you remember Roy the Rovers, right? Well, the iconic comic has been rebooted and Roy Race is now a 16-year-old starting out life at League Two's Melchester Rovers, a team incidentally sponsored by us here at the Totally Football Show. The first two stories are out now. Scouted is an illustrated fiction novel which follows Roy as he attempts to catch the eye of the Melchester scout Johnny Dexter and get a shot at becoming a pro. And Kick-Off is a hardback graphic novel featuring an amazing 50-page story packed with football, drama, football, action and more football and more football after that too. It's the perfect Christmas present for football mad kids and any parents who remember the good old days. Pick up your copy wherever you buy books including Amazon, Waterstones and Sainsbury's and find out more at royaltheroversofficial.com.
0: Crystal Palace, Spurs. Spurs are fourth in the Premier League, a point ahead of Arsenal. Got a great record against uh, Palace. How much will this PSV game have taken out of them or how much will it have put back into them?
3: I mean, obviously, it will have taken something out of them physically, but I think, as we said for you know, United coming from behind to win against Juventus, that winning in those sort of circumstances in some ways can be more of a psychological boost than a really impressive end-to-end performance where you, know, you win by three or four goals. Um, I mean, Spurs have won their last... Three in all competitions. Um, they had to survive a bit of a scare at Wolves last weekend when um, Juan Foyt got involved and started giving penalties away. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, Spurs look like they're they they're coming into a bit of form again. Um, I thought Palace played really well against Chelsea last weekend. Mm. Um, you know, quite unfortunate. I mean, perhaps not unfortunate to end up on the losing side, but um, they, they, yeah, the problem they've got is that they they find it really hard to score goals. And uh, they, Hodgson is now pairing. Uh, Townsend and Zaha in attack as he did at the end of last season uh, and as, as good as those two players are hmm. uh, I, I think it just it, it means that the goals that, that they hope to score have to be of such complexity I mean they scored a lovely goal at Chelsea through ball from MacArthur to Townsend and he sort of takes a touch and, and, and puts it bottom left but you know the, the nature of those two players. They're they're not players who are going to you know feast on knockdowns. Who are going to you know pick up loose balls. I mean that you know they're, they're both quite similar in terms of their style. Um, I think they've got eight league goals all season. Palace um, and they tend not to lose heavily at all. But without any sort of goal threat, it's, it's hard for them to, to pick up points.
1: Mm. Oh, well. I, I've actually been stocking. Crystal Palace You left, have? Didn't? Yeah. I feel like they keep yeah. threatening to do a big result. Well, do you think it could be this weekend? Less so. No, I'm, I'm not with you now. All right. <laughs> Purely because, I mean, I was at the the game they played Everton uh, up there um, and it looked okay for a period of time but it was classically Zaha or no one. Oh, It really okay. felt like that and then I'm down watching their game against Arsenal uh, at Palace and once again Zaha had these great moments. They brought Solot on and actually he looks as if he might have something having not showed as if he's going to have anything before that Uh then on to the Chelsea game and at the Chelsea game to be fair I, I get the point yeah they looked okay in the battle but they had seven, 23-24% you know, of the possession maybe not a lot more than that Chelsea decided to bring on uh, Hazard but more specifically Kovacic at that point and just blew them away within 10 minutes and wow. then took you off so I'm afraid Mm, going down. If, if Zaha gets injured, they're going down. All
0: right. Well, there are only two points as it is off the bottom three, and that might uh, that might even be a, a margin that's disappeared by the end of the weekend. Pat, let's talk about Chelsea Everton. It's the Pat Nevin derby. <laughs> it's kind of the Ross Barkley derby that's as well, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Um, really looking forward to it because Everton, you know, I've been flattened to see for such a long time, but they've now actually got the correct balance to their team. And it took. how long did it take them to figure out? Which was so obvious at the beginning of last season. You build it around Sigurdsson. That's it. You just build it around him. You make sure he's the 10. You make sure that you play whatever system it is that's built around him. But last season, they were putting Claassen in there. They were putting Rooney in there. And you're thinking, why are you putting Gilfrey Sigurdsson out on the left? Mm. Finally figured that out. Got him there. Getting a bit, obviously, out of Richarlison. Now there's a much, much better looking balance to the team. It's not absolutely perfect yet. But that's a decent team now. So that's going to be a team that will cause Chelsea some problems. But they need to be brave enough to have a go at Chelsea. And that's the problem. There's too many teams out with the top four or five that aren't brave enough to go away from home and have a regular go. I think Everton will.
0: Marco Silva, though, he's going to have a go, isn't he? Everton, by the way, have won four of their last five. Yeri Mina finally taking the field at the end of the the most recent win against Brighton and... uh, Likely to start here because Jagielka's out and Zuma can't play because he's on loan from Chelsea. Uh, Chelsea also are uh, away in Belarus, taking on BATE Thursday night. So travel and that potential upset. Then James, do you think? What BATE Borisov beating Chelsea? Well, no. I mean, <laughs> uh, well, yeah, that. But also, you know, Everton then arriving after you know a I think Europa be a League fixture game. Yeah, yeah.
4: Absolutely. Um, yeah, Marcus Silva is one of the managers that I. Sort of admire most in this really? league, I think. You know, what do you most
0: admire about him? Well, I just think he, you know,
4: we've seen over. I mean, it's really, it's going to be fascinating to see how he does over an entire season because we've only seen him one, two and a half months at Watford and four months where he almost kept a whole city side that was dead and buried alive in the Premier League. Um, but you know, he, he clearly knows what he wants. Richarlison being that, and he's the one guy who can. He's the Richarlison whisperer, and yeah, you know, he he ultimately, um, I think, can be a major difference maker for, for 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 Everton going forward this season. So, but I still I still fancy Chelsea. I
0: mean, how can you not? Okay, Arsenal are just outside the top four, a point behind Spurs, and they are hosting Wolves. Arsenal unbeaten in thirteen matches as we record this. It might be fourteen if they do sporting, who they face at home Thursday evening. Wolves coming off three straight defeats, although unfortunate perhaps not to take anything from that game against Spurs last weekend. Uh, Arsenal haven't been ahead at half-time in any Premier League this season for all that unbeaten record. They've not been in the lead once after 45 minutes. Does that mean something?
3: Possibly. Um, I guess you weigh that against the fact I think they've scored more goals after half-time than any other team in the Premier League, which explains why. They are, you know, doing as well as they are. Mm. Um, I'm not sure it's necessarily anything to worry about. It strikes mm. me as more of a statistical quirk than than any reflection of, of how they're playing. And I think it, it also shows how well um, Ian Murray is using his substitutes. Um, you know, we've seen that in recent games that if things aren't quite happening, he'll turn to his bench, and very often the guys he brings on are able to to make the breakthrough. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm not sure that's anything to be to be too concerned about. <laughs>
0: By the way, I never revealed the answer to that fascinating question about which was the only other team. Out can, we a, first can we have a clue? Pot. It was Blackburn Rovers.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, it basically, yeah. don't That's waste the, my time. Right. You're
4: Graham Le and David Batty fighting. on Yeah, the pitch. there you go.
0: Yeah. Uh, Harry Gregory's got a question for you. He's off to Genoa for the Derby. Any recommendations of food, drink, and things to see in in the? Uh, well, the first thing to do is listen to our Golazzo podcast this week because we talk Genoa. Yes. Some essential background to that extraordinary club.
4: Yeah, I would I would go to the Genoa Museum. Yeah. It's actually a very good one and it's by the Marina. uh nice. wonderful uh, port uh Genoa. Interesting time to be going as well because I think this will be quite an emotional derby given what happened with the uh, the Morandi Bridge disaster which happened at the, what, at the beginning of the season. Um, but yeah, this is a very English and South American kind of derby in Italy because the Ferraris, you know, you've got the Stands right next to the pitch. So it's always a spectacle. I think I'll be going to this one myself.
1: Oh, well. nice. Well, look, book, I you can yeah. like I'm absolutely jealous of it, but could you tell me, both of you, actually, um, it's been a lot of years since I've been to that derby and I was absolutely knocked out. I turned up an hour early for it. So if someone was saying to me what would the advice would be, it would be... Get there early. Oh, nice, yeah. And good watch track. out. Watch what happens with the flags, with mm. the choreographed singing, etc. I take it that still happens now. Oh, yeah, no, absolutely. Good. Well, don't miss that, whoever it is. Mm. If you're going.
0: Big story for fans of nominative determinism, Tom. Uh, this is from the Bristol Post, who revealed that Bradley Stoke Town FC in the Bristol and District League Senior Division have a new player this season. Do you know what his name is? No. Bradley Stokes. Oh, yeah, Bradley no Stoke Town FC. I've just signed Bradley Stokes. When he told the club secretary his name, they thought it was a joke. Bradley said, he thought I was taking the piss. He asked to see my ID before filling in the signing on forms. <laughs> there was more laughter when Bradley was introduced to his new, new teammates, this from the uh, Bristol Post, in the changing room. Most of them just started laughing at me, to be honest. They couldn't believe it. I suppose it is a bit weird. Since then, he's settled in nicely. He says he has no regrets on joining the club of his name. All the players have become his friends. Brilliant stuff. Oh, hang on, it's not a coincidence. He signed up purely because of the name. He said, I googled when I saw that there was a town called Bradley Stokes and they had a team, so I signed up. I guess I'm in the right place at the right time. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. heartwarming story. It happens a lot. It
1: happens more than you think.
0: Really? Picks- well, you had Arsene Wenger at Arsenal, of course. Yeah.
1: Wolfgang Wolf at Wolfsburg. Uh, that That's not the only type of nominative determinism. Oh. Your name means something to yeah. the, the thing. Like... Emery at the Emirates. Yeah. Raheem Sterling signing that contract. Oh, that's a good one.
0: <laughs> yeah, great shout out. Yeah. Uh, everybody thinks. No, got nothing. Right, around the world then. There's massive games all around the world. Mm. Uh, Copa Libertadores, first leg, is on Saturday at the Bombonera. Bocca's at home. Uh, and then two weeks later, they'll be playing at River Plate, at the Monumental. The, no away fans, I believe, although they do keep changing. This but that should be an extraordinary watch somewhere on Saturday. I think you have I think to go. It's onto... now on
4: free sports. Oh yeah. I think they've bought the rights, yeah.
0: Okay, because that'll be amazing. Mm. But there's so much football clamoring for your attention this weekend. Mention the Derby, Sunday in the Premier League. Mention De Classica. That's Saturday night in the Bundesliga. You got Milan Juve, which I imagine is Sunday night in City
4: It is Sunday night, James, yes, indeed.
0: Right. Are you high hopes for that one?
4: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's got potential for uh, to be a bit of a grudge match with Higuain, should be fit, playing against the side that basically told him to get gone because we're signing Cristiano Ronaldo. Leonardo Bonucci, who moved to AC Milan, what, uh, 18 months ago, saying that he was going to shift the balance back towards the city of Milan and then went back to Juventus with his tail between his legs. So I think there's uh, a lot of potential there.
0: Milan fighting yeah. for a top four place. Juve six points clear looking to maintain that advantage over Inter and Lazio. But that should be a huge game and uh, ooh, a sizzler. It's up against that big game that we mentioned in France, Monaco PSG. Le Plastique. Le Plastique. Hey. Is, that, is that what they call it? They are now. Right. <laughs> graph- that, that'll <laughs> do. Uh, just, that gives us a lovely chance actually. Among all the revelations about the behaviour of the man-cities and your PSGs, some glorious details r- revealed by the Spiegel about Mbappe's sort of list of demands for signing on at, at Paris Saint Germain. Tom,
3: yeah, it was it was certain salary demands. He wanted to be automatically turned into the club's best paid player if he ever won the Ballon d'Or, and he wanted a private jet um, that he would be able to use for something. It was either fifty flights or fifty hours per Year, these are his demands, I, I think, Standard stuff, so I mean, fairly, fairly standard stuff, I think. Um, and he, yeah, he 30, did
0: 30,000 not... euros a month to pay three personal assistants and his rent, or well, I think their rent, maybe. I'm not sure,
3: mm. yeah. He oh, didn't get all of it though. Well, he got the, that, these last were his one. demand his list of demands, but yeah, he if, didn't, I don't think he got the Ballon d'Or, no, he didn't get that one salary trigger or the private jet, but. Don't ask, don't
4: James. Do you have a clause in your contract if you win the FSF podcast award that you get a
0: a raise? I don't think it'll matter unless listeners get busy. FSF, their website. Yeah. all uh, right, Okay. Well. Anyway. So that's uh, Monaco PSG. Should be goals in that. I'm a thinking.
3: You'd have thought so. PSG going for a record extending thirteenth consecutive. Win at What's the start goal of the difference? season. Their goal difference, I'm not entirely sure. Probably oh, about 150-yard, I think. At least, They're yeah. slowing down a bit, though. They, they, w- they won their first 10 games scoring at least three goals. They only got two in the last two outings against Marseille and Lille. Right. But now it's Monaco, so <laughs> we could, it could be double figures. Right, okay.
0: Just as big in Scotland, you've got Aberdeen taking on Hibs on Friday night. And then Livingston against Celtic. Uh, that's later in the weekend. If you're going along, keep your coins to yourself, listener, of course. <laughs> Ooh. Uh, totally Scottish Football Show has all your Totally Scottish football needs. And it's on right now. It's up there. It's out there. Ooh, we've also got the Totally Football Show American Edition. And my word, we're getting to the sharp end of MLS. Second leg of the playoff semi-finals coming up. Seattle Sounds at home to Portland Timbers. That's this Friday, Pat. Seattle Sounders are 2-1 down on aggregate. Sporting Kansas City taking on Rail Salt Lake. Atlanta United are 1-0 up against New York City. And Columbus Crew take a 1-0 lead to New York Red Bulls. Kobe Jones and company will bring you the TFS American Edition. I think that's out now as well, previewing those games. Super. Back to the Premier League. prosaically enough. Where the bottom seven Pat, are all within three points, you're concerned for Crystal Palace. Who else worries you down there?
1: All of them. <laughs> all of them. I think we can well, say that. Fulham
0: are now last. The Ooh. One
1: team. I, I bet you, I wouldn't be concerned yeah. about West Ham United. Okay. And have not been at any point in this season. Well, they're, they're not in the there. Flag.
0: They're not. They're not part of the bottom. They're seven.
1: one place above Palace, aren't they? Yeah, yeah three, points three points. And, so yeah. But everyone else there, it's there's a very good case for them being in trouble. For a long time, and this continuing, hmm. there's nobody in that group there. Maybe you could say Burnley if they get back to playing huh. the way Sean Dites get knows they can play, can go and kind of get out of it. But they don't go in long runs of four nil wins. Burnley. Right. <laughs> to they get conceded a thirteen goals in three, which is
0: just you know the the biggest slap in the face of expectations. I think that any club Has as as managed to perform. Can I go I
1: wild think? and say I think Fulham will get out of it.
0: Do you think really? so? Be? Yeah, Fulham. that's the one
1: time I what? think will get out
0: of it. Wait,
1: ha- player, for player, player for player. I think they've got more quality going forward and more ability to score goals. I think they might get out of it oddly with a new manager. Um, I'm not sure. He's, you know, they've had a lot of new players, a hmm. lot of new players. Some of them have taken, well, most of them have taken quite a long time um, to get to the pace of it. The defense has never been sorted out. If he kind of gets that a little bit stiffer, that defense. As enough quality going forward from midfield, I wouldn't be shocked if that was the team that managed to I'd get out of it.
4: I just look at it and think, they lost to the team that can't score goals on Monday night, Huddersfield. and didn't score their goal for them. Yes, but then you look at their like run of fixtures coming up, it's really going to test the board's patience with Csakhanovic, because they've got Who's Liverpool, they got? they've got to go away to Chelsea, they've got to go away to Man United.
3: These are all in the next six games, I mean... I, I, could, I think Pat's right about the quality Fulham had. I mean, they spent yeah. £100 million in the transfer window, which I think was more than any other promoted club. And there, there are really good players there. But you kind of it still doesn't know what his, what his best defence is. I mean, he was trying out another new partnership against Huddersfield. And you just think, like, if we're this deep into the season, you know, we're, we're mid-November, basically, and the manager still hasn't figured out what his best team is... Is he ever going to? And and I think that given the the money they spent and the quality that's there, you do wonder whether he's going to be given that much longer. Because if if you know if things don't improve in the next, and I mean, you can't expect them to get anything at Anfield this weekend. Then we're into the inter- into the international break, and then as James was saying, tricky fixtures to come. I mean, I don't I don't see any signs from Jurcanovic awesome. that he's the man to going turn to make it a around. Very
1: quick argument saying that if they had Rafa uh-huh. down there, Ooh, it would yeah. do okay because he would get them organised. And then I remembered who was playing up front for Fulham and thought, well, maybe not, actually.
0: Mitrovic, <laughs> course, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right, OK, 29 goals they've conceded in 11 matches so far on a trip to Anfield this weekend. Newcastle are just outside the bottom three, but only on goal difference ahead of Huddersfield. They host Bournemouth in another game that was billed as winnable by Jack Lang uh, last week on the pod. Cherries have actually come home with three points on their last two visits to St James's. Uh, both Shelby and Lachelles going off injured in Newcastle's win over Watford last weekend so is Newcastle going down Lascelles
1: Lacelle, is a big worry mm. you, you do not want him injured because he's, he's such a pivotal part of that defence uh, Shelby we know he's up and down a little bit when he plays at their best they can be a really nice looking side um, I haven't said that I like Bournemouth as a team they never seem to lack energy no. in any game and sometimes that's enough to do in they've got
0: that little jinking Scottish winger as well. You can never have too many of those in a
1: game. Um, I mean. Yeah, one who quite likes playing out in the wing as opposed yeah. to some of us. So uh, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. They've, that that energy there, and you can see that from Wade. You can see that up front, and also they've got options up front that can score them goals. You know, so so
0: what do you think about Newcastle? Are you worried about them?
1: Yeah, all the, I mean, all the teams in that bottom. You know, that. But you think Fulham are do. gonna get out? I would.
0: Who's gonna not uh, f- get out?
1: I would. St- I struggle to find a way of seeing how Cardiff can get out of it right. again because of lack of, sort of overall quality and can't see where they're going to get a lot of points during the season um, Southampton, I think there's a capability again out there, Mark who seems to be capable of doing it, I would say Huddersfield is a concern, Huddersfield purely from what they did last season they weren't spending a huge amount of time attacking teams They were very very negative minded but they managed to survive in that first season excitement, well not now it's definitely no, It's going to be hard for them.
0: Okay. Cardiff have Brighton. That's the early kickoff this weekend. Brighton, not generally very good away from home. They did get that win at Newcastle, but that was their, their first in 18 on the road. So, yeah, not, not good away from home. I'd say that Cardiff,
4: woeful defending set pieces, even though they're a worn up team. Six goals conceded from those situations this season. I think that's one of Brighton's sort of. Principal strength, so mm. I think this could be an away a win for the Seagulls. Ooh.
3: And Brighton have been going really well prior to that defeat at Everton. Um, I think was it three one nil wins on the spin. Um, and uh, I mean, Chris Hughton admitted that they just they weren't on the same level as Everton. And I think there he was quite happy to sort of write that off as a, a step too high. But yeah, you suspect they'd they'd be looking at that trip to Cardiff as a chance to improve those um, slightly concerning away statistics.
0: Yeah, Saints hosting Watford, Burnley visiting Leicester. And Huddersfield taking on West Ham. Well, by the way, uh, big sorry to Mirko Anatovic, who we suggested was being unnecessarily evil, laughing in the face of I think it was Tarkovsky after the uh, the goal last weekend uh, that he scored. Apparently, there'd been some fairly agricultural challenges flying in prior to this, and he was just, you know. Who's just giving it a bit of Mourinho? And who doesn't enjoy seeing a
4: striker
3: yeah. celebrate a goal like that? Not yeah. that we condone it. I mean, he, he was one of
4: Mourinho's pupils, of course. Treble winning, mm, Marko Anoutovic
3: played a big part in that yeah.
1: treble. Yeah, I still uh, loved. Was it Anatovic versus Mark Hughes? Was one of my favourites last was it last year? And there was a big argument between them, and of course, Anoutovic scores an important goal. And I'm thinking that could end up in a fight, and I'll pay. I'll pay the entrance <laughs> fee. I'm, I'm okay with that. <laughs> Hammers won this game
0: 4-1 at the John Smiths last season. Interesting, of course, uh, no Martin Noble, who actually scored in that fixture. And uh, Lanzini got two that day, is also out with that long-term knee problem. But I think still, we think West Ham are going to be okay in that fixture.
1: And they've they've unearthed another skillful, attack-minded player as well. So you look at the players that they've got going forward and uh, I feel quite sorry for them. They never seem to get... Even close to all their best players fit at the same time. Hmm. Sometimes it's an out of it, you know, and you know, different ones seem to break out. If they get a run of say ten games where all those you know, attack-minded players all fit, they'll be they they could be brilliant this season. Okay. Philippe Anderson
3: in the goals now after that that brace against Burnley. So, I've been quite impressed by him, but I think the one thing he hasn't really contributed is is goals, so that might be a turning point, perhaps.
0: Indeed so. All right, well, uh, one or two more reflections on life, both on and off the pitch to come. But right now, let's get the odds on the Manchester derby and some of the other big games this weekend from Paddy Power with producer Ben.
5: Merci very much, Lee Jimbo. Here's Lee Price from Paddy Power on the line. Lee, let's talk about the Champions League before we get onto the big Premier League fixtures. Can Spurs make it out of their group and into the knockout stages after that heroic performance against
2: PSV? Well, they're eight hundred to one to win the group, so that's clearly not happening. But their price to qualify is a lot healthier in fairness at seven to two. Healthier that is until we compare it to Inter Milan's price, who are one to seven to progress, leaving Spurs staying at the Europa League which is just what their small squad needs. I'm sure potch will agree.
5: OK, we'll start with the final game of the weekend. It is far and away the biggest. It's the Manchester derby. Can you give us the odds here, the overall
2: odds, that is, and the first goal scorer markets? I'm looking forward to this one. Both teams coming into this one in winning form. I don't think I are saying that. But the odds do remain lopsided massively towards the home side. They are 3-10 to win this one. United are 7-1 to and the draw is 4-1. As for the first goal scorer market, I think that's quite illustrative. The first seven favourites are all City players. Aguero, Jesus, Sterling, Sané, Mahrez and the Silvers. Martial and Sanchez, two players in very different runs of form, are United's best hopes, we think. They're 11-1 to 1 to score first. And you've got a money-back special running on this one too, haven't you? There is indeed. It's a money-back as a free bet if Aguero scores, which is odds-on to do, by the way. That applies to losing first, last, any time goal scorers correct score what odds paddy markets, max refund £10, TNCs apply.
5: All right, Liverpool coming off a very bad result in Belgrade. Um, can Fulham, who got a very bad result in Huddersfield,
2: can Fulham get at least a point here at Anfield? I think you might be the only one fancying Fulham this weekend, Ben. Um despite Liverpool's shaky form, they're massive underdogs here. It's twenty five to one they get the win, or ten to one they snatch a draw. If you do fancy their chances of winning the V, you can get a double chance bet where you bet on Fulham to either win or draw, and that's thirteen to two. Liverpool are 1-12 to to win the game, though.
0: You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. All prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org And when the fun stops, stop. The controversy rages, Tom, about planes, trains and automobiles, which people were... uh, Somebody mentioned John Candy. It would have been his birthday had he still been with us. And the question was, what was John Candy's greatest film... Uh, we saw Michael Iron. We failed to put this question to him. Oh, geez, I I'm seeing him tonight, though. Okay, well, make sure yeah. you ask that, because uh, James. We, uh, people mention Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, which I, I kind of snorted at and said it's not a good film. and Outrage, really, truly. The, 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 the level of responses I'm getting—it's just—it's been unpleasant, frankly. Uh, you know, Sullivan points out that Planes, Trains is set during Thanksgiving, so it's not a Christmas movie, as people were suggesting mm. last last week but it is a good gateway movie into the festive season maybe wait for another three weeks so you can get the full effect of the candy experience i could wait longer than that if you like Ian, but <laughs> i am clearly gonna have to go back and uh, watch this film again because i haven't seen it since
1: the 80s pat have you seen it recently planes trains automobiles um no but you and i sit side to side on this oh you're Pops. not a fan no but then and it I, should
0: be so good with steve martin and mm-hmm. and john
1: candy and yeah see i i get this with um what's that Football film The one that everyone Talks about Escape Escape to Victory Yeah Oh that's a terrible movie Awful movie movie. And everyone tells me It's the best football movie ever. what It's
0: a half decent film uh, For the first hour or so When it thinks It's basically uh, The Great Escape and then they kind of bring in the football, but except they don't. I mean, <laughs> you get one rainbow flick in the entire movie.
1: It's desperate. I, I'm anyway. delighted you've went on the Comedian rant and stopped me oh, going. Like it. It's such a bad film.
0: <laughs> also because it could have been better. And the weird thing is, when you watch it, you think, "Oh, this, I suppose this isn't bad for like 1972." When was it? In 1980, yeah. it's such a retro. John Houston. Houston, we have a problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. Here I go. We did. We did um, but uh, James Gulk says, is the lack of stripes regarding best John Candy film uh, an oversight or purposeful dismissal? I like stripes, but that's a long time ago.
3: I haven't seen stripes. I can't I can't comment. Mm.
0: Uh, well, you know what? We've got an international break coming up at the end of next week. Mm. So maybe what we could do is, 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 is have a little look at planes, trains and automobiles. and Not that there's not going to be anything else to talk about, but I think we might be able to
3: squeeze in. And launch the totally... John Candy
0: show. yeah totally Candy uh, a bit of a reappraisal of the oeuvre anyway excellent you got any big plans for the weekend
1: Pat? Um, yeah, the Everton game yep. uh, I'm going to see a couple of movies one tonight one tomorrow what would uh, you see? I've not decided yet what I'm going to, go to see because last
0: time you went to see Cold War for the second time didn't you? which I
1: absolutely loved Cold uh, War. which was fantastic alright okay um, but no I've funny that I, I might actually go a wee bit mainstream here you're going to um, go and
0: see Bohemian Raps aren't you? no Uh <laughs>
1: No, the the kind of, what's it called? First Man? Oh, yeah, no, that's no, good. Yet. Tom, you've seen so, it, Saw it last here. weekend. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
3: really, really enjoyed it. I found it a little bit mawkish in parts. It could, could have been could have directed without, by Clint Eastwood. Without the mawkishness, yeah. but mm. the sort of the action sequences yeah. really kind of brings it home how primitive the technology was yeah. in the 60s. In that basement. Um in that <laughs> best, actually,
0: in that basement <laughs> uh, excellent ok and uh, what, what was the other film none decided yet yeah. oh, ok yeah, right James seat what are you up to this goes. weekend you're off to Italy
4: yes I am indeed I'm going to uh, see my wife in the Eternal City
0: alright
4: uh, and then off to Milan Juve on, on <laughs>
0: Sunday night eh Milan Juve boom I can't Follow compete that. with that
3: I'm, I'm staying in London I'm not going anywhere can I say a hello yes um I don't know if you remember, when I was last on the pod, I was talking about this duvet that I was trying to get rid of, ah, because yeah. I'd bought a duvet that was too big for my bed, and I was going to take it to a charity shop. One of our listeners, David Young, replied to uh, to the, the tweet, right. uh, putting out the pod to say that he would take it off my hands, and he came round to my flat and he picked it up. So, David, hello, thanks for... Thanks for um, it's a hell of a story, Tom. Taking my duvet off me, and I hope it's, hope it's fulfilling all your duvet needs. Yeah.
1: So, so how long ago was Swap Shop...
3: Well, <laughs> too
0: long by the sound of it. By the way, my piano, which also came up in that conversation, I completely forgot to get back to the people who were interested. Oh. Not sure if the so, moment's passed, but if you are piano hungry, uh, do get in touch. I've
1: got a full do pool a table piano? that I want rid right of. Okay, what, you, what have you got, Pat? Pool table. Okay, a real pool table pool from t- Pat
0: listeners. I rid right of it. Do you just want it out? Out, yeah. Out me with the piano. I just <laughs> want it out. Are you where whereabouts is the pool table located?
1: Um. It's in the middle of nowhere in Scotland. <laughs> it's in the middle of nowhere in Scotland, so if you are in, you know. Uh, James? Borders. No, I've got everything I need. You need no, to...
4: no,
3: I'm, you
1: know, it's not what you need. You're trying to get people things. Get rid things. of. Yeah, no, I don't, get zen. At the babe. moment,
3: I don't. No, no, OK. You know, I've well, also got some DVD shelves. I'll super. <laughs>
0: anyway, now, uh, after that in. hello to Mr Duvet, uh, it's time for us to say goodbye. We will be back, though, phew, on Monday, when our lineup is, excitingly enough, Daniel's Storey... Julian Laurent and Kelly Cates. Wow, that's Boom. my second favorite Totally Football Show lineup. Remember, you can vote for Pat and us in the FSF Awards. Your vote can make a difference. Otherwise, they would wouldn't be trying to stop you having it, listener. Well, see you they then. Have influence that vote? Sometimes. No. Yeah. Anyway, have a great weekend, you listener, and Tom, and James, and Pat. Thanks for being with us. We'll catch you Monday.
5: You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddyneesmedia.com. And make sure you check out our other football podcasts, the revamped Totally Football League show with Caroline Barker and the brand new Totally Scottish Football Show. Supporting your team can be a beautiful thing, but then come the injuries, the goal droughts and the downright disastrous defeats.